how does a narcissist test their victim? What do narcissists look for in a victim? How do they kind of run the little tests before they decide who they're into? That's what we're talking about today at queenbeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. Does that sound good to you? If so, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. Would you agree that it's safe to say that we could call a narcissist, at least a toxic narcissist, sort of an emotional stalker, somebody who looks for people who they can easy, easily manipulate and control. And if I said that to you, would it offend you because you are also someone who's been with a narcissist? Let me say this first. I have also had narcissists in my life and been abused by them and I consider myself intelligent. So don't think that I'm in any way trying to take away from your intelligence or your ability to stand up for yourself in this case, okay? But the fact is there are certain qualities that a narcissist looks for in a victim. And that's what we're talking about today. They choose victims and then they go on to charm them, seduce them, push them, mold them, put them into their little victim box, right? Narcissists, because they're not capable of normal human love, they love people for what they do for them as opposed to who they are, one of the things that they do is they feel very angry and frustrated at people who enjoy life because they, even though they seem to enjoy their lives, generally don't. Of course, I'm not talking about specifically material things. A lot of narcissists have plenty of material things. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. I'm talking about deeper things like empathy, like sensitivity, like goals, creativity, different things that you want to do with your life, passions. A lot of the time, narcissists will go after someone who have a strong passion or a strong fire inside of them. But as we all know, narcissists have a way of switching from the amazing, light-seeming, fun-to-be-around person that we first met to becoming incredibly critical, very dismissive of people they claim to love. And of course, this just feeds our confusion and our self-doubt, right? So I'm going to go over a few traits that narcissists typically look for when they're dealing with finding a new victim. All right, let's just go right through, shall we? One of the first qualities a narcissist will look for in a victim is someone who might have some vulnerability, someone who has had previous experiences that were negative in the whole human field. Let me just give you an example from television, okay? If you've ever seen the show called How I Met Your Mother, there's a character on the show played by Neil Patrick Harris called Barney Stinson. This character, while he's hilarious, and I can't deny enjoying him uh, because he's so outrageous and because I know in real life NPH is gay and he plays such a good womanizer on the show. Uh, this character, though, is the epitome of a narcissist. So one of the things that Barney Stinson looks for in a woman is what? daddy issues. He looks for a woman who has been broken, had issues in the past because of something with her father or whatever, and then he comes in and swoops in and does his whole narcissistic love bombing thing, although his are shorter, shorter efforts usually because he's a womanizer. So the thing that you have to know is that people who are attractive to narcissists often have some underlying issues like that, parent issues or they've been bullied in school or something like that and this has caused them to become very sensitive people and has caused them to want to please the people they do care about and often because people who have been treated this way may find themselves kind of downgrading to from what they could have if that makes any sense so when narcissists see someone who's vulnerable emotionally because of previous abuse as someone 
who is easier to glom onto and they can, you know, sort of temporarily help raise that person's self-esteem while at the same time in their minds kind of getting in on somebody who's really too good for them. But they think they're, the, the victim thinks they're not too good because they've been abused and taught otherwise. Does that make sense? Because we doubt our worthiness. It's because we don't believe that we are good enough or that we are worth anything that they are able to get to us. It's what makes us vulnerable to narcissists. The next quality that I'd like to share with you is how, when a narcissist is trying to choose a victim, they're looking for someone who is gonna be dependable, someone who's gonna always be ready to help them anytime they need it. So people who are prime choice victims, they are people who tend to be joiners or helpers. They, you know, if they see somebody in pain, they wanna help that person. And that's unfortunately something that an empath naturally does. When you're an empath, you naturally want to help anyone that you see who needs help. So a narcissist picks up on that. Another thing that we are that might shock you is a lot of us have a little bit of perfectionism in us. And now we might not have perfect this or perfect that, but there's something about us that is perfectionistic. And one of the most common perfectionist areas that we have as people who are attractive to narcissists are our perfectionism, our perfectionism falls where we need to help people in a perfect way. So we might often keep kind of a low profile. We're kind of the behind the scenes people. And a lot of times we don't want to overshadow our friends and colleagues. We want to lift them up. We don't want to stand in front of them. This of course brings me to my next point, which is they want someone who will take personal responsibility for everything, even things they didn't do, and someone who will work really hard for them. So they're looking for someone to be responsible, hard worker, someone who will always comply with whatever assignment they get from the narcissist. So they might test you in little ways, like they might be like, oh, here's 20 bucks, go to the store and get me this, that, or the other thing. And if you go, oh, don't worry about it, I got it. <laughs> Number one, you, you pass the little narcissist test because you're willing to spend your own money. Number two, you don't even think about the fact that they just ask you to go to the store when you just told them you worked all day and your back hurts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that kind of stuff. And then the last quality that I'm going to share with you today is kind of surprising, but it's true. And it is above average intelligence. Yeah, they look for the smart people. How about that? And on the same token, they look for good looking people. Now, I know you're like, I'm not good looking. Well, you know what? You are good looking and and even if you don't think that you're good looking, someone does. The point is, they narcissists look for very smart, intelligent, bright lights. They look for people who are very skilled, very trained, very focused. People who, you know, have enthusiasm, people who are passionate, people who have a lot to say, a lot to do, people who other people are attracted to, okay? Narcissists don't want to be with someone who can walk around you know, looking freaky or scary or weird. They want to be with someone who makes them look good. And if you have high intelligence and you have, you know, a cheery personality and blah, 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 you're perfect for a narcissist. So I know you're sitting here and you're going, well, I'm tired all the time and I'm exhausted and I'm depressed and sad and I don't do my hair anymore or whatever. Well, that's because you're with a narcissist, honey. You have to give yourself a minute and you have to think back to what you were when you met the narcissist. They may have taken you from feeling really good about yourself to feeling really bad about yourself, but somewhere inside of you, there's a person who is beautiful and bright and intelligent and smart and ready to move forward in her life or his life. And if this is you, this is why you were chosen by the narcissist. You have to remember 
Narcissists are always looking to feed their ego. They want attractive people. They want to get a prize or a trophy person. They have very little respect for weakness. And honestly, they have no interest in someone that just anyone could get their hands on. They want someone that they have to reach up to get. They don't want to reach forward. They don't want to reach down. They want to reach up. Do you understand what I mean? Narcissists are always looking for a better supply, even when they found someone amazing. That's not your fault. It's nothing to do with you. It's not that you're not a good supply. It's just that maybe you have too much independence for them, too much self-respect. The narcissist needs other people to be envious of the person they obtain as their supply. That's why a lot of times they come on real strong in the beginning and they offer you this romance like you've never seen before. It's the love bombing phase. And that's why a lot of times when you get with a narcissist, one of the, one of the things that you hear over and over again is, oh my God, they're too good to be true because they are my friend. <laughs> so once a narcissist picks their target, they'll stop at nothing until they get that person. The bigger the challenge, the harder they'll work. And the more they trash you, the more they tear you down, the more once, once they've obtained you, they're mad at you for making them work that hard. If you're a hard to get type of person, here's the biggest thing. The ultimate ego boost for a narcissist is to take someone who's independent and self-sufficient, strong, and make them completely dependent, completely controlled. Of course, if you dump the narcissist after all of that, it just makes them try harder. And every single time they convince you to take them back, it's sort of like another little notch in the little narcissist's belt. Just remember, you don't deserve it. It's not your fault. Now that you know how a narcissist tests their victim, you know what you need to do to fix it, don't you? What you need to do is have confidence, love yourself unconditionally, and accept nothing less than you deserve. If you don't know what you deserve, sit down and think about it for a while and try to figure out what your deal breakers are in a relationship. What will you accept? What will you not accept? That's the question of the day today. What are your deal breakers going to be from now on in a relationship with a person so that you know for sure that you're not allowing yourself to be taken advantage of or abused? Share your thoughts and comments in the comments below, your thoughts and experiences in the comments below, and let's talk about it. How do narcissists view marriage? That's what we're talking about today at queenbeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson, and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. If that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button, and let's get going. So why do narcissists get married anyway? I mean, the fact is, obviously, we know they have a fear of commitment, some of them. They have a fear of all this other stuff. So what causes them to go ahead and get married? Why do they marry? Because they get something out of that deal. They get supply. Why do they remarry so quickly after they discard their supply? Well, part of that is to prove that you meant nothing to them. And part of that is they think if they remarry after they divorce you out of the blue, that everyone will think that you're the flawed one and not them. So why else do they get married? What, why did, how does a narcissist really see marriage? Well, one of the things that a narcissist sees about marriage is that it's an opportunity to control the person they're marrying. They can have control of the person. They can have control of the money. They can have control of the assets. They can have control of the feelings of that person, the life of that person, everything about that person. Plus, we already know that narcissists tend to latch on to empaths. Many times, not always, but many times. They like to entrap someone. They like to make sure 
that it's hard for you to go away from them. That's part of the reason they get married. They want to make you commit before you see their true self. That's why they get married so fast. Once a narcissist gets you to marry him or her, they know that you've taken a vow. You may share children, you may share a home, you may share money, you may share all these things. All of these things lead to you being stuck to them. It being harder for you to get away from them. You, they've sucked you in. That's why they do it so fast. That's why they do it so completely. Narcissists rush into everything when it comes to commitment for this reason. One of the biggest and potentially most surprising reasons that narcissists get married is because they don't want to be alone. They can't stand to be alone. If they have to be alone, they might actually have to look at themselves and see who they are. And they just don't like that. Narcissists tend to be verbally abusive. They tend to be liars. They tend to gaslight you and try to make you think you're crazy. They stalk you. They steal from you. They smear you. They endanger your health just by being in your life because they're so abusive sometimes. Sometimes they get married because they want to steal from you without legal repercussion. Sometimes they get married because they see themselves as, I need to breed. I need to make children because if I make children, then I'll have this legacy and people will love me forever. Sometimes they get married because of a status thing. They want to have a hot person to carry around, you know, to have on their arm and make everybody think they're amazing. Of course, they will then turn around and treat that person like trash in private. Marriage offers sort of a private haven for a narcissist to be their true self. They can be horrible to their wife or husband because that's somebody that can't run away very easily. So this way, when they're out in the world, they can be a nice, kind, awesome to be around person and at home, they can treat you like crap. And if you have kids with them, they'll probably treat your kids like crap too. You have to understand, the narcissist always has a motive. They always have a reason for doing exactly what they're doing. When you are in a relationship with a narcissist and you see that, oh my gosh, they've rushed me into this relationship, you gotta know there's something in it for them. They're not doing it because they love you because we, as we just recently discussed, narcissists really aren't capable of loving people in a normal human way. Maybe they want money, maybe they want fame, maybe they want power, who knows? Whatever the reason for getting married is, it's not because they love you. And that's the part that sucks. Narcissists see marriage as a means to an end, as a means to get their supply needs met. Narcissists are always so concerned about their image that being married might just be something they think they're supposed to do. They need people more than the average person. They need someone to literally be their narcissistic supply, which is someone they suck all the energy from in order to you know, appear normal. They use you, they abuse you, they scream at you, yell at you, use you as an emotional dumpster. But again, it's not about love for a narcissist. It's about getting their needs met. Fact is that securing attention, that's the narcissist's primary goal in life. That's what they need. They literally need your attention to survive. So if they marry you, they get you get stuck with them as far as they see it. They're addicted to that attention. They need it desperately. Fact is, there's almost nothing they won't do for it. And that's why I think narcissists get married so quickly and that's how I think they see marriage. What do you think? Share your thoughts below. You doubt me? Well, if you know a narcissist, why don't you ask them, what do you love about me? What do you love about your spouse? Nine times out of 10, they're gonna say, I love the things that you do for me, not I love things about you personally. I love how you rub my back. I love how you take care of the house. I love how you take care of the kids. I love how you bring home lots of money. Whatever it is, it's never going to be about, I love that you're so smart. I love that you're so attractive. I love that you're so sweet and kind to everybody that you meet. It might be, I love that you're hot and all my friends are jealous, but it's not going to be 
anything about you personally. It's always going to be how you affect them that they like you or love you for. Try it. Test it. You'll see. A narcissist chooses his partner or her partner based on how that person can serve them, based on the potential for narcissistic supply and nothing else. Depending on how worthy they think you are, that will be the tipping point at which the, the more worthy they find you, the more quickly you'll find yourself married and going, holy shit, what just happened to me? Don't ever rush a relationship. If you can avoid in the future rushing into relationships, rushing into commitments, rushing into marriages, you may be able to avoid narcissists altogether. That's not a guarantee, but it certainly is a start because if you take the time to get to know someone well enough to know for sure that they are not going to be good for you, then maybe you can save yourself the trouble of accidentally marrying a narcissist. I know if I had waited a little while longer and gotten to know my narcissist a little bit better, I wouldn't have been in that situation, but I married him after only five months of knowing him. It was the wrong choice. And that's why I made this video today because how do narcissists view marriage? They view marriage as a permanent source of narcissistic supply. You deserve better than that, my friend. And so do I. This leads me to the question of the day. And the question of the day is, what do you think? How do you think that narcissists view marriage? Let's talk about it. How do you deal with someone who's giving you the silent treatment? What do you do when your narcissist goes no contact? That's what we're talking about today, queenbeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. Does that sound good to you? If so, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. What do you do when you're dealing with someone who will coexist with you in the same house or the same relationship while literally ignoring you? Believe it or not, this is just one of the many signs of gaslighting and emotional abuse in a toxic relationship with a narcissist or someone with narcissistic personality disorder. Abusive narcissists are very commonly doing the no contact or the silent treatment thing, right? Are they the same thing? Sometimes. Not always. Sometimes you're getting the no contact silent treatment in the house, the same house that you're dealing with a narcissist in. Sometimes you're just in the relationship. We also call this the discard phase. The first thing you have to do is educate yourself about the situation, about narcissism, all of this stuff. I always say that knowledge is power, as you know. The first fact you need to know about this issue is exactly why narcissists give you the silent treatment in the first place. Why do they go no contact? Why do they stop talking to you? See, whether they recognize it consciously or not, narcissists are sort of wired to push your buttons in order to get what they want. Now, you might wonder which button they're trying to push when they just go silent, right? You might be surprised to find out that it's really not about making you crazy, even though it feels like it is, from lack of communication or pure boredom. Rather, it's about playing on your own worst fears. And I'm betting, if you're like every other human being on the planet, one of your worst fears is the fear of being alone in the world. Am I right? With no one to help or support you or be there for you. And I'm guessing that if you are currently involved or were previously involved with a narcissist, you're thinking of all kinds of little things the narcissist did to play on your fears during the relationship. So it's time to get over your fears, my friend. And it's time to get on with your life. So by verbally and emotionally cutting you off, the narcissist offers you a taste of what life might be like without the charming godlike awesome self or goddess-like awesome self that you may have been enjoying before. Yeah, that was sarcasm. 
So that's why the narcissist, so that's the why. The narcissist belittles and devalues you because it plays on your fear of being alone. It is the narcissist's hope that in enacting this silent treatment, this no contact behavior, it's sort of like they're enacting a silent narcissistic rage against you. They'll force you into submission and into being the good little narcissistic supply that they've always enjoyed and needed before. Plus the silent treatment works particularly well on sensitive empathic people who are often quite attractive to narcissists as we all know because us empaths we're kind of wired to respond to and attempt to soothe the extreme emotions of people around us especially people we love and care about. Feel me? So how do you deal with this type of behavior without completely losing your freaking mind? Well, if you're staying in the relationship because you have no choice, such as you're waiting till you can get a better place, you know, a place to live or a job or a kid situation is holding you up, you can play the game if you want to. But in the end, your best option is going to be to leave and move forward, of course. With that being said, we all know that sometimes it's easier said than done. And we all have our reasons for the choices that we make and for why we don't just leave already if it's so bad. So as always, I want to say that if you are being physically abused, none of the following is going to be relevant, okay? And I want you to get help now, stop watching this video and get some help. If you're still with me, I hope that you are, we're moving forward. So you're getting the silent treatment again, that lovely part of the discard phase that everyone who's ever been in a narcissist path can recall. Maybe you've been accused of being selfish or of ignoring the narcissist's emotional or physical needs or of being dishonest or arrogant or lazy or any number of, you know, insulting descriptives. But for the record, What's really happening most of the time is projection. Narcissists, they project their own inadequacies onto us, onto their victims. So as usual, once again, my friend, it's all about the narcissist and it's not really about you in the first place. Assuming you're gonna play the game though, this is what you're gonna do to cope with the silent treatment. The next time you're confronted with the icy, hateful, silent treatment from yet another perceived infraction, I want you to come back here and I want you to watch this video again. I want you to remember that this is a game of control. The narcissist believe that they can control you with their lack of communication, the lack of concern. The only way that you're gonna be able to take back your power right now is to refuse to respond to that bullshit, okay? You've got to go on about your life just like the narcissist isn't even there or do whatever you would normally do and blatantly ignore the narcissist, ignore the behavior, no matter how pissed off it happens to make you and no matter how pissed off the narcissist gets in the situation. That means don't send texts trying to reason with the narcissist. It doesn't work. It just causes more drama. Don't post whiny crap on Facebook that everybody can see. It just isn't good for you. Don't allow the narcissist to know that they are affecting you in any way at all. Don't give them what they want when they behave this way. When the narcissist realizes they're not bringing your heart, they'll try something new. Now, this obviously is not gonna solve your problem in the long run of being with a narcissist, being in a toxic relationship. But for the temporary purposes that we're dealing with here, it will stop them from enacting the silent treatment or the no contact stuff, at least as long as you're in the same house. If you're dealing with no contact, as in the narcissist left you and won't speak to you anymore, then can I just say, count your blessings. I know it sounds horrible, but think about the fact that you're not abused right now. Think about the fact that you could choose to make this permanent and change your life for the better in the long run. Just consider it. 
I would never push anyone to do anything they're not ready to do. But if there's any part of you that is done being abused, this would be the time to get out safely and to have a good reason to stay out. It doesn't change. The cycle continues forever. It goes from love bombing, idealization, everything's amazing and wonderful, and then boom, devalue, boom, discard, and then it starts all over again. They hoover you back in, they love bomb you, they devalue you, they discard you. Not worth it. It's not worth it. So, now it's time for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, have you ever dealt with a narcissist silent treatment? Have you ever dealt with a narcissist who goes no contact? What did you do to cope? Share your thoughts and your experiences in the comment section below, and let's talk about it. Ever notice how a narcissist has a certain kind of circle of supply around them? I like to call that a narcissistic harem. Have you ever heard of one? Maybe you've even unknowingly or otherwise been a part of one. That's what we're talking about today at queenbeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. Does that sound good to you? If so, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. So the term narcissistic harem officially means a group or a collection of friends, admirers, or family members, aka sources of narcissistic supply, that a narcissist gathers up to keep them sort of topped up on their daily supply of love and admiration. Since no single individual could ever fill the void that is the hole inside the narcissist's soul, the narcissist seeks to fill it with whomever is available. And often, these relationships are overlapping and interchangeable. Does a narcissistic harem always involve sex with every member? No, not at all. In fact, one of your narcissist's biggest cheerleaders might be their own mother or father. It can also involve people of the same sex and in some situations, even if the narcissist isn't gay. To put it more simply, a narcissistic harem is a group of people who are happy to stroke the narcissist's ego as needed. So do the members of the harem always know about each other? No. In some cases they do. It's a matter of who the narcissist considers part of his or her inner circle. Friends, family members, co-workers, for example, would know about each other. But these days, it can also involve a number of virtual friends, virtual friends, right, in the form of the online harem. And those can sometimes be the most dangerous because they are the most underhanded and easy to hide. Plus, it's much easier to manipulate a person's perception if they're only seeing the world through your eyes. And a smart narcissist will sniff this out very quickly. So let's talk about the narcissistic harem hierarchy, shall we? Every harem has a certain order, right? And the narcissist is no exception. Here are the kinds of rules that you're normally going to find in a narcissistic harem. First, you'll find the leader of the pack, right? You guessed it. This is the narcissist. They are the leader, the judge, the jury, the organizer, all those big bossy parts, narcissist. That's what they do. They focus on gathering up plenty of attention and on reminding everyone how difficult their lives are and how much they need them to not hurt him or her like all the others have among other manipulative topics. Among the members are roles such as the tool. This is a special member of the harem with an important role. They're there not only to get the narcissist in their own clutches, but also to cause drama for the rest of the members of the harem. 
They live on a pedestal built by the narcissist, and they often claim that they just haven't met the right person yet. The narcissist considers this person a challenge because they, like the narcissist, are unlikely to commit, so they kind of seem a little hard to get. Then there's the flying monkey. In the case of the narcissistic harem, the flying monkey often means well, but often ends up evangelizing for the narcissist. The narcissist has a message and the flying monkey is happy to spread it, even if they don't mean to be causing any harm. Flying monkeys are often just other victims, other casualties of the narcissist manipulation and abuse, but they always fall for it. The next type is the person that the narcissist is claiming to be with, the wife, husband, spouse, boyfriend, whatever. Depending on the narcissist, there's almost always a main person in the harem, a primary source of supply. While the partner isn't always a legal spouse or even the one who gets the most attention from the narcissist in the harem, they're the one that is the clueless one. That's the person in the circle who everybody's hiding from, hiding the secrets, hiding the lies, hiding everything from this one person. And maybe it's the worst role that you could be stuck with in that harem if you think about it. Between the gaslighting, the love bombing, the flying monkeys, you end up forgetting that your entire identity is what it is. And you desperately try to become the version of yourself that would make the narcissist happy. It's how the narcissist keeps you in control. But even if you manage to completely change and morph yourself into the narcissist's idea of the perfect person, it never matters. Will I ever be enough for this narcissist? Why do they need to have this freaking harem over here? Well, here's a harsh reality that we've all got to understand. When it comes to the narcissist and their perception of you, you can never be enough. Even if you focus your energy completely on the narcissist, the narcissist will always be looking for something better. They'll always be looking for supply from some other source, something that will help to just give them more attention. No matter how amazing you are, it will never ever be enough for a narcissist. Don't let yourself be confused here, my friend. It's definitely not you. You're not the problem. It's totally the way the narcissist convoluted mind works. And you cannot take personal responsibility for the broken person you've been dealing with. You just have to find a way to your self-confidence and peace outside of the narcissist. The fact is that since the narcissist is so personally broken on the inside, nobody can ever fill the endless hole of need that the narcissist carries around with them, at least not for very long. The narcissist manipulation tactics are so underhanded and sneaky, they are often undetectable. They're so definable that even a child can learn to recognize them. So that's something. We're gonna talk really quickly about the narcissistic triangle. It's one of those tactics that the narcissist will use against you and often involve members of the harem. So it involves the narcissist and two unsuspecting victims who are used sort of against one another. The role that you play in this triangle might shock you. When I first learned about it, I really could not believe which one I was of those three. The first one is victim, then the savior, then the bad guy. Which one are you? So let's talk about the victim first. The primary role in this triangle is the victim. And what's surprising, or maybe not, is that the victim is not the actual victim here. The narcissist plays the role of injured party in this game. I know you're shocked. He or she will use guilt and manipulation to get what they want, by pitting one person against the other person. Unfortunately, this tactic works way too well, especially on people who are empathetic or empathic, which y'all know you are. That's because we're hardwired to help people in distress. It's part of our nature. It's why we have the unfortunate narc bait label 
on our proverbial foreheads. It's why we keep attracting these type of people into our lives. Now let's talk about this savior. So this is the surprising role that I found myself in when I studied this kind of narcissistic abuse tactic. See, the savior, as it turns out, is also the unwitting enabler because they try to take care of the people around them and often to their own detriment. This role is technically one of the actual victims in this circle. This is the person who gets used by the narcissist. Now let's talk about the evil one, the bad guy or girl. The evil one is the bad guy or the bad girl, according to the narcissist. He or she is the one who gets the blame. The one who the victim, aka the narcissist, claims has injured him or her and caused pain to. And generally, the evil one doesn't even know there's a major issue. Or if they do, they're as bewildered as you are about why it's happening. The evil one becomes the reason the narcissist gets the savior to react. So let's connect the dots. This is how you draw this triangle in a particular pattern that causes the narcissistic manipulation. So using the roles we've defined, we're going to draw the triangle right now. First, the problem. The victim has a problem, that's the narcissist, which creates a need. So let's go really simple with our example situation here and say the problem is that the victim, the narcissist, is not getting enough attention in the narcissist's marriage. Now this is most likely because he treats the wife, who in in this iteration is the evil one, like she doesn't matter to him unless he is manipulating her or using her to manipulate someone else. Now remember, this could just as easily be a female narcissist doing this to a male non-narcissist. Second, we have the sad story. The victim then goes to the savior and tells a sad story. In our example, maybe this guy goes to another woman and whines about how evil his wife is and how horrible she is to him and how oh, she ignores all of his attempts at conversation and connection and affection. He may even say she's a cold fish or she's abusive herself. Anything to play up that victim status, that victim role, and make the savior feel sorry for him. Well, then there's the shoulder to lean on. The savior becomes the shoulder to lean on and depending on their own ability to resist the narcissist's love bombing tactics this woman will often become the next love of his life or equivalent depending on the situation this person's role as savior will only be held as long as she continues to play to the victim's liking. The triangle evolves, guess what? The savior becomes the evil one. What? Yes. It gets really twisted right here. This is the point at which the current evil one slips out of the triangle or back into the role of the savior in some cases. See, the moment the savior doesn't fulfill the narcissistic supply as expected, the narcissist begins to effectively put them into the evil role position. It goes on to search for the next savior, aka source of supply. For example, a narcissistic mother of two daughters consistently alternates between the two as savior and evil one. The roles are passed back and forth between them from very early in their lives and the narcissist mother actively manages and cultivates that situation to her benefit and unfortunately often at the cost of the relationship between the sisters. This cycle begins again as the previous savior watches herself slip into the role of evil one and she realizes what has happened. As she does, she suddenly understands that she was used to manipulate the evil one, only by now it's too late to change anything. The cycle begins again and a really skilled narcissist will often play the same few people against each other in varying roles over and over again. They will always find fault with every person in their lives and they will eventually learn that the victim role as described at the beginning of this video is one of the quickest ways to reel in the next victim. 
The cycle is cemented into the process further every time it works. And it always works because the narcissist knows exactly what to look for in a savior. Have you been there? That's the question of the day. Time for the question of the day. Have you done this? Have you been there? Have you experienced the narcissistic harem? Have you experienced the different types of roles the narcissist wants to stick you into? Share your experiences, share your thoughts in the comment section below. Let me know what roles you've been shoved into against your will and let me know how you felt about it and how you dealt with it. Maybe your comments will help another survivor feel not so alone today. All right, that's all I've got for you right now. Thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life and hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together.